Open your Bibles once again to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. We'll be reading verses 5 down through verse 15. And when thou, we looked at these last week, but I want to go back and read these verses again. And when thou prayest... Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corner of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. They were doing the praying to be seen of men, and when they were seen of men, that was their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And when you pray, use not vain repetition as the heathens do, for they think they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Now they think that. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of even before you ask him. Then what we'll be looking at today in verse 9, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Then he elaborates in verses 14 and 15, And if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father Forgive your trespasses. Let's pray. Our Father, as you've allowed us once again to come to this place that you've given us to worship you, teach us this day from your word. Teach us how to look to you as our Father and we as your children. We thank you for loving us. We thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness of sin. Help us today to see you honored and exalted. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Here, and there's a lot of men that I read behind that they still made reference to this as the Lord's Prayer. And this is how most people know it. I believe it's the model prayer, our prayer, the way he told us and if you want to look at it that way, it is his prayer. This is how he told us, after this manner, therefore, pray ye. Don't, don't pray as the hypocrites do. They, and the heathen, they think that they shall be heard. They think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. And that's such a wonderful truth to think, that he knows what you need before you, before you even think about asking him. I don't know what I need. I know what I think I need. But he knows, he knows my greatest need. 
where I am right now, what my need is. As I thought about the lesson, prayer, I think, is one of the greatest privileges that we have as children of God. I know I've said before, and people used to say years ago that, you know, they took prayer out of school. Now, you can take a ritual out, but I can't stop, and nobody can stop you from praying. Nobody. You don't even have to close your eyes. You don't even have to move your lips to pray. Father, have mercy on me. In my mind, I'm crying out to the Lord. I remember our Lord said about the first, he knew their thoughts. He knows our thoughts are thought of. He is instructing us how to pray because far too many of our prayers are selfish. They're more about physical needs instead of praying about his honor and his glory. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not teaching down to you. That's That's just a fact. But we'll see this prayer, you notice it begins with God. It begins with honoring him. It begins with glorifying him. And that's how, we ought, that's how we ought to come. Whether he answers our prayers in the way we th- that we think he should answer them, or no matter what, the main objective should be that he is honored and that he is glorified. Our Lord will bring honor and glory to his name no matter what. He will bring honor to his name in the salvation of a sinner or he'll bring glory to his name in the damnation of a sinner. He's given us here instruction which we most desperately need. He knew they needed this and he instructed them. He first said, don't pray like the hypocrites or the heathen. They think they want to do it to be seen of men. They, they think that they're going to be heard for their much speaking. It's not whether you pray five minutes or 50 minutes. But we think, oh, we've, we, we've prayed a while. Lord must really be impressed. He's only impressed with one person, and that's his son. Here we, all ta- we are taught both the manner and the method of how to pray and the matter for which to pray. It says there, verse 9, After this manner, therefore pray ye. Now, I know I've heard people just recite it, just, just repeat it, and they call that praying. If we, with it, he says, after this manner, and, it, and what I want you to see is we are so guilty of making a form out of anything there would be nothing wrong with them with then just then reading this than it would be reading Psalms 100 or Psalms 23 or any other song. But the problem is we get wrapped up in forms and rituals and ceremonialism and, and all these things, and that's all that it is. And that's what that why did those people think that they would be heard for their much speaking? They were taught that. Because that's probably all that they ever heard when the people standing at the corner of the street in the synagogue just 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 keep praying, just keep praying, probably repeating the same thing, never saying nothing, never saying anything. I remember something. This was in regard to preaching. I think it was Brother Scott that said it. If he didn't, I pray one day he forgives me. 
But it said this man just he kept preaching and just kept preaching and preaching for an hour and a half and almost two hours. And said when he got done, Scott said, I seen two or three times he could have stopped. <laughs> you know, he's just being honest, you know. And I heard another one got up one time and didn't know hardly what to say, and he said, I'm done, it's finished. And somebody said, Well, he preached the gospel. <laughs> he preached the gospel. But he says, after this manner praying. This is the prayer of God's children. Someone said, this is the, our family prayer. After this manner, pray ye, you, after this manner. In this prayer, it is broke down to seven petitions. The first three petitions deal with God. They have to deal with our relationship to the Father. You think about this. He's our Father. Now, I'm going to show you in a minute how he is our Father, but he's our Father. That union with us in Christ in him. First, our Father, which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as in heaven. That's the first three petitions that has to deal with God and God's name and God's honor and God's glory. The number three refers to God's divinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And they all three work in the salvation of a sinner. Read Ephesians chapter 1. The Father chose us, the Son redeemed us, and the Holy Spirit seals us. And the Holy Spirit enables us to believe, and the Holy Spirit enables us to pray. The Holy Spirit, he prays for us with groanings which can't be uttered. And the second four have reference to us. The first thing it says is give us. Before we ever get to give us, we deal with our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Your will be done. Your will be done. Like, like our Lord prayed in the garden, not my will, but thine be done. It's not about our will. It's not about what we want. It's about bowing. Prayer, I think, is bowing to God's will. Whatever he wants. Paul prayed three times that God would remove the thorn in the flesh, and God said, my grace is sufficient. But you imagine the grace to bow to it. And our Lord, he prayed the same prayer three times. That was not vain repetition, and he come back, and he bowed to the Father's will, and he took that cup, and he drank it. Now, explain that. I can't. But the second references. That four symbolizes the creature, which has reference to us. We're first taught it's God first and then us second. His glory before our wants and our needs. Someone said the second four, the process is just the opposite of the first. We begin on the lowest level with our external needs and go upward and inward to the removal of sin, help and temptation, complete deliverance from evil. Now, that's some needs. You notice it says, give us this day. And you know what the next one says? Forgive us. Give us this day, our daily bread. Forgive us of our trespasses. 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. The recognition of his name is the basis of his kingdom, and his kingdom is the sphere in which alone it's in his kingdom where his will is done. God rules over all things. Now, I know here it says, Our Father which art in heaven, but God is everywhere. God doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. David said, If I ascend unto hell, he's there. Wherever I go, he's there. Our Father, which art in heaven, here we see the one to whom we are approaching. We are not approaching a judge. We are approaching a father. As I thought about the prodigal, he's not coming home to, to meet a judge. He's not coming home to, to meet someone standing there with a rod in his hand. He came and found a father that ran to him and showed him mercy and grace. That was his son. That boy never ceased to be his son. Let me tell you this. We were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. We are his by creation, but we are also his children by regeneration. We are his by covenant relationship because we are in union with the Son. He loves us like he does the Son. He loves us in the Son, and that's the only way he can love us. And how do we approach him? As children. As children. I can just see your little children coming up to you, and they, sometimes they don't even have to utter a word. You know what they want. You know what they need. They may need some affection. They may need you to just put your arm around them and say, what's wrong? What's bothering you? That's how it ought to be with our Father. That's how we approach him. He who is our Father is God. You think about that. He who is our Father is God. It has pleased you to make you his children. He chose you and gave you to Christ before the world was ever made. As he singled out Israel, he singled out his elect. And he gave them an inheritance. And he watched over them. He provided for them for 40 years in the wilderness. He took care of them, provided them. Give us our daily bread. He give, us, he give them manna every day. Every day. Why? They were his responsibility. That's why. And we come to him recognizing him as our father. Oh, that our will would be lost in doing his will. When we think of our father, we think of his love and his power. We know he controls all things. Nothing is outside his control. Nothing's outside his purpose. You think about that. Do you know he purpose God to make you his child? You didn't make yourself a child. You were adopted. You went down, if you want to say, and he, he picked out the ones he wanted. Took them home and he gave them his name. And it's his responsibility 
to see that everyone for whom he bought and purchased, they make it home to glory. You know why? That's my father. One day we're going to go see our father. I know we see him in Christ, and that's why we will see him. Just over in chapter 7, verse 11, he's, de- he's going to deal with some of these things again. He said, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, if you know how to, get, how to give good gifts and you're evil, evil, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, who is perfect, Give good things, good things, not evil things, good things to them that ask him. Well, religion thinks if I just ask and ask and ask and ask. I am, it's like, and it's like we were when we was growing up. As we get a little older, we think, boy, I can, if I can just twist daddy's arm a little bit. Now, daddy or mama, let me have that. Let me, let me have that, mama. Let me have it. Let me have it. Let me have it. Yeah, eventually they'll let you have it. <laughs> when you ask him, ask him. We can't explain this, and he knows what we need before we need it, but he wants you, to, he wants us to ask. Ask. He has our interest at heart. We come to him as our father. He knows what we need before we ask. Like I said, it was better for Paul to have the thorn in the flesh. That's what he asked for, and he was sincere in asking. Please take this away. Please take it away. You know why God didn't take it away? Paul needed it. You know what it did? It kept him humble. He said, oh, he'd never get proud. Oh, yeah, he would. He said, and he didn't say it being proud. He said, I've, I've labored more abundantly than they all, and he had. He had suffered, and he had. He was called up to the third heaven, and he saw things he said I can't even describe. It'd be easy to get proud over that. The Lord said, no, he's, I'm going to keep him humble. You know why? He's my child. And those that are my child, I correct them. I won't leave them alone. If you're his, he won't leave you alone. Now, you may be his child and not know it yet. You may be one of the lost sheep. You may be like the prodigal in the far country, but he's going to bring you home. He will bring you home. Where to? The father. What did he want to do in the far country? He wanted to forget the father. And you know, when a man comes to his right mind, it's when the Holy Spirit awakens a man, he remembers the graciousness of his Father. It's the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance. Fear and judgment will drive a man away. God is our Father. He could have said after this manner, pray ye therefore, my father, which art in heaven. That's how our Lord prayed to God, my father. Here he says, our father. Like I said, how is he our father? Well, he is ours by creation. Malachi 2.10, have we not all one father? Hath not one God created us all? Yes, he has. Whether men know it or not. 
all men. He created all men. He gave all men life. That's what it says in Acts chapter 17, verse 24. God hath made, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelling not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with man's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he gives, he gives to all life, breath, and all things. Why do they have breath? He gave it to them. And hath made of one blood all nations of men. Either we have Adam's nature or Noah's nature. We have both. All men come from them. All men were created of God and they come from God. So we are, God is our father by creation. Secondly, he's our father by covenant relation. Jesus said in John 20, verse 17, Jesus saith unto her, touch me not. After he was risen, I have not yet ascended to my father. Now watch this. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend to my father and to your father and to my God and your God. Why did he ascend? We know that God raised him from the dead, delivered him for our offenses, and, our, and raised him again for our justification. He's gone to represent all the children of God as our substitute. Many of is our father by regeneration. And in Galatians 4, 6, now remember this verse, and because ye are sons, not that you might be sons, but because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit, the spirit of his son into your hearts, and in your heart you cry out, Abba, Father. Someone said you could put that where we could understand it. Daddy, Daddy. That's, that's your little children. They know what daddy means. Oh, yeah, they know who their daddy is. We cry, daddy, daddy, father, father. Read you this from Isaiah 64, verse 6. But we are always an unclean thing. I know our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We do fade as the leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. There is none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold on thee. For thou hast hid thy face from us and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. That's pretty sad, isn't it? Our iniquities like the wind have just take fade. We, we fade. Our righteousness is like filthy rags. But always notice the three-letter word, but. But now. Not tomorrow, but right now. O oh Lord, thou art our father. We are the clay and thou art the potter. We are all the work of thy hands. If it was not for verse 8, we would go crazy. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. We do fade as a leaf. Everything we do is sin, but he's my father. He that is Lord, Jehovah God, is my father. Your father, if you're his. 
We are clay in the potter's hands. He makes one vessel unto honor and one unto dishonor. And all his children, they acknowledge it. Thou art the potter. We're not the potter. We don't shape our life and control our destinies. He did, and he does. Do you know every believer, anyone you want to pick out in the scriptures, anyone you know now, they are all the work of his hand. It's his hand. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. Boy, that's a way to come and come and say, Thou art our Father. These are promises to his children. Our Father. He is our Father. We recognize and we bow to that he is the Father of all them that believe. And we are taught to pray for each other in the family. When one member suffers, all the members suffer with her. I said with her on purpose, because I look back at Paul, couldn't help but think about Sarah. I can't imagine. I've, I've had a few bones, but I, I was knocked out. They kept me knocked out, thank goodness. But when one member suffers, all the members suffer. Be with Sarah. God give her grace and strength. She needs it. Nobody, when they're used to doing things and have the the physical ability to do things, likes it where they can't do anything or put weight on their leg for eight weeks. There's none of us. None of us. We express our love to the Father by praying for those that he loves. He said, Peter, if if you love me, feed my sheep. That we should be more concerned about our brother's needs than our own. I'm going to think about Sarah over till she's able to walk again. Next time my knee hurts just a little bit. <laughs> at least I can walk. At least I can put a brace on it. <laughs> at least I can take a, a tramadol. <laughs> really, I mean, when we consider each other. We live in the same world. We live in the same bodies of sin. We have the same imperfections. We have the same doubts. We have the same fears. And when we're like that, we're not as critical with another part of the body. Our Father. We're here taught to whom we pray. We're not taught to pray to saints. We're not taught to pray to angels. We're not taught to pray to Mary. We're taught to pray to our Father. I'd love to ask someone sometime, where in the world did you get that from? Some funny book, some, probably some fable. You remember, the, then they have those fables. I can't remember who it was. They were kids' little fables. Sandy's told me if you really go back and look at them fables, they wasn't as nice as you think they are. They were pretty bad. But that's what religion is. It's just, they've, they've painted it up to seem like it's, it's, it's something just real nice, you know, about uh, whatever you want to think it is. 
They make it look that way, but it's not that when you get down to it. They were all evil. Evil. There's nothing more evil than a man wearing a fish hat claiming to be holy and wanting you to pray to him and call him father. He's not our father in any way, shape, or form. I have one father. And where's, where's your God at, David? He's in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. That man's going to die. He can't even stop himself from dying. He can't even keep himself from getting old, and he thinks he can forgive somebody's sins. You know why he's going to die? He's a sinner. That's why. He ain't holy. I don't know how I got off on that, but he is unholy. He, I, because our Lord is our Father. I don't have to go over in Italy somewhere, kiss somebody's ring. You can pray wherever you are at and call upon your father because he's my father. My father owns everything. Everything's under his control, and everything works together for good to them that love God who are the called according to his purpose. That's our father. If he be our father... He pities us in our weaknesses and infirmities. You know, he remembers that we're just dust. Listen to this verse. Psalms 103, verse 13. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Do we need pity? Sure we do. No, I know I pitied him, but then he pities you. When weakness and frailty and everything we go through, when we come and ask forgiveness, like I've already mentioned, we come like the prodigal son to his father. We come as one that's been reconciled to God. In the bulletin today, there was an article there. I pulled it off the internet. I'd heard someone speak about this and use this as, as well. It was Barnard used this as an illustration many years ago, and it was a little different. But let me just read you this. I think that it makes this point of how that we have the privilege. We have the awesome privilege of being able to approach God. We have the very right. To come. When we sin, and we often do, we feel like, boy, we messed up that time. He won't forgive me for this. He won't receive me. He will for Christ's sake. But listen, it was entitled The President and the Little Boy. I'm just going to read this. During the war between the states, a young soldier in the Union Army lost his older brother and his father at the Battle of Gettysburg. The soldier decided to go to Washington, D.C. to see the President Lincoln to ask him for an exemption for military service so that he could go back and help his sister and mother with the spring planning on the farm. When he arrived in Washington, after receiving a furlough from the military to go and plead his case, he went to the White House. He knew where the president would be, and that's why he went there. 
And he approached from the front gate and asked to see the president. The guard on duty told the man, you can't see the president, young man. Don't you know there's a war going on? The president is very busy. He's too busy for you. Now you go away. Get back on the battlefield where you belong. He can't get in. They ain't going to just let him in. Especially in time of war, they're not going to just let him walk in. So the young soldier left, very disheartened, sitting on a little park bench not far from the White House when a little boy came up to him. The lad said, soldier, you look unhappy. He said, what's wrong? You know, when you think about this, don't you know that boy, that man thought, what can this little boy do? The soldier looked at the little boy and began to spill his heart to him. He told of his father and his brother being killed in the war and as of the desperate situation at home. He explained that his mother and sister had no one to help them with the farm. The little boy answered and said, I can help you, soldier. He took the soldier by the hand and led him back to the front gate of the White House, and apparently the guards didn't notice them because they weren't, they'd never stopped them. They walked straight to the front door of the White House and walked right in. And after they got inside, they walked right past the generals and the high-ranking officials. And you imagine, I'm picturing walking down the, walking down through the White House. And why didn't anybody try to stop them? I read on the Internet that that Tad Lincoln, that he was such a, Rowdy little thing. He looked in, on the internet. Looked like about twelve or thirteen years old. I remember when I was like that. They said he would that he would actually line people up and charge them for to take them and guide them through the White House. <laughs> That's this little boy, and he leads him. And finally, they reached the Oval Office, where the president was working, and the little boy didn't even knock on the door. He just walked right in and led the soldier in with him. There behind the desk was Abraham Lincoln and the Secretary of State looking over the battle plans that were laid out on his desk. The president looked at the little boy and then at the soldier and he said, Good afternoon, Tad. Can you introduce me? Can you introduce me to your friend? can just see him as they walk through the in the Oval Office. And that, that boy, he recognized Abraham Lincoln. He has no clue who this little boy is, but he knows he's somebody important. And they walk in. Can you introduce me to your friend? And Tad Lincoln, the son of president, the president of the United States, said, Daddy, this soldier needs to talk to you. The soldier pled his case before Mr. Lincoln, and right then and there he received the exemption that he desired. The son has every right to be there, and thank God he has made us sons. Do you know in Hebrews it said to come boldly to the throne of grace? That means we have the right. He said, you don't have no right to go in there. Can you see somebody trying to stop Tad Lincoln from going in there and seeing his daddy? He said, you don't know who my daddy is. 
My daddy's the president. And that boy knew. He knew, just maybe. All he could do was bring the, this boy to his father. Maybe he would listen to his calls. Yes, he did. And he showed him mercy. And he sent him home. And don't you know, boy, his mama and older sister was glad to see him when he come home. Said, how did you get out of the army? You ain't going to believe this. The president said, I could go home. God Almighty said we could go home. God Almighty said we can come into his presence at any time. You've heard me tell many times about my oldest daughter, my oldest granddaughter, Emily. The study used to be downstairs, and she always stayed with us on Saturday night. And Sunday morning, I heard her coming down the steps. First thing she did when she got up, she wanted to come see her papa. She was probably about four or something like that, and she'd come running down the steps, and she never turned the doorknob. She didn't knock on the door. She pushed the door open, run right around the desk, and jumped right up in my lap. And she said, Papa, we having pancakes? <laughs> Why could she do that? She had the right to come. That's not being arrogant or proud. If you, yeah, it is being proud. He's my father. Oh, that we would come to him that way. In Ephesians 2.13, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Ephesians 2.18, For through him we have both access by one spirit into his Father. Access? Yep. It'd be like Katie coming over to Jeff's house. Want to ask her daddy for something? Maybe she may need something. You know why she can go right in there to his room? Wherever he's working? She has to write. In that freedom. That's the thing. We are children. I can I can see. I could, I'd have loved to be in like Tad Lincoln in that white house. Why I'd have... I'd have <laughs> You know how little boys are, just running around, always getting into stuff. Our Father, which art in heaven. Here we are reminded of his greatness. And this should fill us with humility and all. I can just imagine that soldier was humbled. He probably came from nothing, and Lincoln came from nothing. He stands there in humility and in awe. And listen, the one we approach, he that was rich became poor, that we might be rich. He's able to be felt with the feelings of our infirmities. He knows what we feel. He knows what we need. That president knew the horrors of war. He was concerned about that boy's mother and sister that would have to work that farm. And he was compassionate. Compassionate. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The word hallowed could be translated sanctified. It means to be set apart. We should not take his name. 
in vain. You know why? Men like to be called, they like titles. And most men, especially in Baptist circles, like to be called reverent. There's only one reverent. There's only one holy. Holy and reverent is his name. They pray religion in their own name. They think they are reverent. They, they think because they have the title, they, they think they're holy. They're not holy. He's holy. <laughs> holy and reverent is his name. Let us esteem God as holy. He's worthy of all the honor and all the glory. We come to his father, we come to our father with adoration. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. You know, I thought one time if we praised him more, we might be a little more thankful. Just, just even next time you're just alone in your closet, just start thinking. Just start thinking. Think upon these things. Well, what, what has the Lord done anything for you? Has He preserved you? Has He kept you? Has He, has He give you something? Maybe looking forward to having a little baby. I'm thankful you're here today. I'm glad you feel like coming today. He did that. He allowed us to be here today. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. And how did we come to meet? For two or three are gathered together in what? In his name. Under his authority. How, what right do we have to gather here? His name. We gather for his, in his name means for his honor, for his glory. We're not here to brag on men. We're here going, we're going to brag on him. We want him to be magnified. And here he lets us know that our prayers must begin with praise. Listen in Psalms 100. Verse 4 and 5, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and to his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. <laughs> I was just, while I was reading it, I think about that soldier. I could see if it, he said, Mr. President, could I shake your hand? I could see him grab his hand. Just <laughs> He's thankful. He's thankful to this man. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. Psalms 99.3 Let them praise thy great and terrible name. For it is, for it is holy. Psalms 8.1 O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Who has set thy glory above the heavens. Apart from grace, we're not interested in honoring his name. But when he saves us by his grace and made us his children, we want him to be exalted. Him to be exalted. 
It says in James 2, verse 7, listen how he describes the hypocrites and the heathen. Do they not blaspheme that worthy name by which you are called? You go, how do they blaspheme God? Well, when they say God wants to do something, but you won't let him. God, if he'll, if he'll take the first step, he'll take the, meet, the, meet you, you know. Why don't you let him save you? Why don't you make him Lord? All those things are blaspheming. They're speaking irreverent of our God, and they're not describing our God. God's glory, like himself, is in, in, in eternally infinite. Infinite. It's cloudy outside. But you get above the clouds, the sun would shine in all of its glory, even though the whole world were blind. Or if they did willingly shut their eyes, he's still shining in all his... You can't stop it. Now the clouds represent our sins. There are a lot of things come between, but his glory still shines. We went out the other evening. You know, after it just rained and the sun's going down, so the sun's shining from the west to the east. And I don't know how many times we've seen this. It was one of the most beautiful rainbows. What's that say? That's his glory. That's his promise. In Christ, he's our rainbow. But then in a few minutes, you're looking off down the valley, and there's clouds everywhere, but one little place, the sun comes through the clouds. And you go, man, look at his glory. And that's just an emblem, just an illustration. We can't begin to describe his glory. John said, we beheld his glory. Oh, that God would enable us when we come and pray to see his glory. How do you see God's glory? He told Moses, he said, he's in my goodness. I'll show mercy to whom I will show mercy and whom I will I'll harden it. So this must be our main desire is for God to be glorified. Father, glorify thyself in giving me my daily bread. Father, glorify thyself in pardoning my sin. The Pharisees made their own name the chief end of their prayers. It's not God's honor. I had a guy ask me one time. He was in the Gideons. Now I think they've done some good things. You know, it's, I'm thankful that they would put Bibles. I mean, that's a good thing in hotel rooms. I know someone that took one one time because they didn't have a Bible. You know, and I've seen the other day on the news, I think there's a room in the White House somewhere that people can go. Somebody went in there and was hiding the Bibles. <laughs> you know, you th- well, I don't know how I got off on that. But they want to pray in their own name. Lord, you are to be praised in whatever will bring glory to your name. Now, that's, that's the thing. Lord, whatever brings glory to your name, you do it. And we bow to it. I want him to be glorified and honored above everything else. Everything. 
Lord, we pray that your name be sanctified no matter what becomes of our polluted name. Man, by nature, we worry about our name. What people think when they hear Jeff Andrew or Danny Belcher. What, what, do they think when you, what do they think when they hear his name? You think, but what do most people think? What do they think? Well, he's just like every other Jesus, you know. I wonder, you know, those uh, people who came over here, the Spaniards and all them, they were doing this in the name of religion. Can you imagine what those Mayan Indians thought about that Spaniard God? I don't want anything to do with that ruthless God. I didn't bring any honor to him. Now look at them. They live in death in Catholicism. Psalms 46.10. We'll close with this verse. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen, and I will be exalted in the earth. And you better believe 